Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to episode number 12 of Unsheathed. I am Kyle Gold. And I am Cam Hirosaki, Jedi Knight and friend to Captain Solo. <laughs> and, and it is just the two of us tonight. We are recording again from our discreet, undisclosed location. Um, looking forward to answering some of your questions, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we're up to and where we've been and where we're going. And I'll, I will also point out here that I've upgraded from wine to scotch this evening. I, I've <laughs> sadly downgraded from Coke Zero to water. So, so the balance remains, yes. or we've at least reversed the balance in the same direction. Between the two of us, we've got a scotch and water. There you go. Yeah, this is just uh, straight. It's a uh, 16-year space side. It's very nice. Is it straight or neat? Because uh, it's much gayer if it's neat. Well, it's certainly much gayer if it's not straight. Yes. QED. <laughs> I think you need to drink a little bit more of that. I've only had like two sips so far. Um, so we have a couple ideas for things we're going to do on the podcast coming up, and we'll talk about it again a little bit at the end. Um, we're going to do one episode talking about the life of writers. Uh, we had a couple questions for Kit, and um, I think we need another week to coax him out from behind the mixing board. So hopefully, He's maybe, easily startled. Maybe, maybe another little bottle of scotch or some wine will help with that. But we'll uh, we'll get him on the show sometime in the next couple of weeks, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about what it, what how our lives are different because we're writers, um, which mostly you'd probably be able to guess. But I think we'll have a couple surprises in there for you. Actually, I think after being on a few panels, I think that there's a lot that you and I take for granted that a lot of people don't seem to know. So I think that might actually be an interesting conversation for a lot of people. Well, I sure hope so. At the very least, it'll keep people listening. Um, and with Halloween coming up, we figured we might spend an episode talking about writing horror stories. So we both dabbled in that, although it's neither of our specialities. And just to, you know, stress, that's horror stories, not horrible stories. Although I'm sure that we've both done that as well. And not horror stories either. <laughs> <laughs> Which we both know what we're thinking there. So Yeah. Uh, we'll just move right along. Um, so that's what what's that's what's coming up in the future, um, and I think before we get to the questions, uh, we're both at kind of a point where we've got a lot of projects going on, a lot of balls in the air, so to speak, and uh, so I thought uh, we could talk a little bit about what we're up to these days. Uh, I'll let you go first. I'll Mr. start. Otosan. Yes, mine will probably be shorter than yours. Uh, so the one thing that I just... Size doesn't matter. Ah, uh, thank you, I think. <laughs> so I've got three things that are in my court right now. One is a short story that I've mentioned on my live journal a couple of times that I've been working on. I finally finished up a first draft of that, and I kind of hate it. <laughs> I think that after writing the story, I think I'm looking back on it and going... Yeah, there really wasn't much of a story there to tell, and I may just put that in a digital desk drawer and never let it see the light of day. I might actually have to send it to you to look at it at some point. Yeah, which well, I think that's a good lesson, too, because 
you know, I think people are sort of bound and determined that if you've taken the time to write out a story, even if you don't like it and you don't think it's working, you know, by God, you've got to get it out there and show it to people. And, you know, honestly, you can write another one. Yeah. I'm not too disappointed. It didn't take me that long to write. I got about halfway through it and then thought, you know, I don't think that this idea really holds as much weight as I originally thought it did. But I was like, you know, it'll only take a couple more days to at least finish a first draft. And so, like, well, I might as well at least try. Yeah. Rather than, because if I didn't, it was going to nag me forever, if whether or not it was a good idea or not. I have a bunch of half-finished stories sitting around that I just never yeah. got the right handle on. and Yeah, I have one I started, actually, back at, uh, I want to say, MFF07, which I actually think was a good idea, but I just got overwhelmed with life and work and stuff and never got back to it. I should dig that one up, actually. Yeah. Whenever they strike your fancy, you know, yeah. go back to them. Uh, the other one is the secret project that I've mentioned. Actually, I haven't mentioned it in a while on yeah, here. Yeah, it's been a little while. But uh, I've got about another month or so of annoying uh, personal projects to get through first before I can really start getting back with that. But I hope to at least begin work on that sometime before MFF. So if anyone sees me at MFF and asks me, hey, have you started work on that project that you keep alluding to and I haven't? You can smack me or something, or just call it the secret auto project. The secret auto that that sounds like it should like build into something like a either like an episode of a show or like a lemony snicket novel. <laughs> if it was a secret beaver project, it could build into a dam. Yeah, but otters don't build dams or lodges. No, we just sort of swim around on our backs and do cute human things with our hands. Yes. Which is adorable, let me say. Yeah, ah, He thinks he's people. <laughs> Why is he writing such sad things? <laughs> and the third one is the story which I need to write for you that I was challenged to write back at Rainforest. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I've been doing mental brainstorming for, but I haven't yet had the time to put uh, put pause to keys and get anything down. I was going to actually start doing it today, but another thing came up and I had to do that instead. So. Yeah, I don't know if I should send you the one I wrote about you yet until... Uh, until you can use you... it as bait and or blackmail. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I just... Incentive. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how much you want to see before you write yours. Um, I've finished a draft of it and I run it by Kit and he's had some suggestions about it and um, he actually thinks I should show it to a lot of other people before I show it to you, so... But I, I, I'm not sure that's quite... That's kind critical. of terrifying. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say that. That kind of scares me. Um, well, Kit and I are in it as well. So, well, it's, uh, You're certainly in the story I'm going to be writing about you, so that evens that in out. It, uh, no, I think it's fun. I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how it came out, and I think it'll be uh, very enjoyable for you, and, and hopefully we'll get to show it to some other people as well. But uh, you'll see it first. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So that was the yeah. that segues into my projects because I it think does. that was the last of yours. Um, that one's kind of on my plate in the editing mode. Um, Kit and I have been talking about it and going back and forth on uh, what needs to what I, what I'm trying to accomplish with it and how effective it is. Um, I think he's uh, he's been very helpful in sort of interpreting my kind of vague and hand wavy goals about 
I, I want this story to be an important milestone and really comment on the otter condition. But, um, and he manages to turn that into, uh, well, you know, then in that case, you need to not have so much description of not otters in it or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, so that's, so that's been good. And that's, I'm okay with not otters. Well, there are knotted otters in it. Uh, oh, okay. Ooh. Um, so it's already different from the first story you wrote for me. <laughs> there are no barbed otters in this one. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, I don't know if snow leopards have barbs, actually. I don't know if that's just tigers. I've never seen a naked lions. snow leopard in person, so. No, actually, that's not true. I have. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen snow well, leopards in person. They're by definition they are always, always naked. naked. I've never seen an unsheathed snow leopard that's, in person. That's true. I have not. They were <laughs> just wandering around in a cage. Right. Um,. Not displaying their bobs or lack thereof. They're very pretty animals, though. They are. They are. Um, so there's that one. And the the editing process has been kind of fun on that. I had a lot of fun writing it, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope I enjoy it, too. <laughs> uh, you've already seen part of it, and I think you responded with, Oh, you son of a bitch. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like something I would say. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, what else, Mary? Oh, I'm, now I remember the scene you're talking about—the little snippet you showed me. And yeah, you are a son of a bitch. <laughs> the scotch is delicious. <laughs> oh boy! Now our, our listeners are going to have to guess which part of the story, when they finally read it, caused you to call me a son of a bitch. I don't think they'll guess. I don't think so either. But it is worth pointing out that. Female foxes are vixens and not bitches, so technically I'm a son of a vixen. But, uh... That doesn't quite scan with Son of a Preacher Man, so I can't no, think of a fun song. No. Well, you could, but it would just have to be a different one. Um, you can think about that. I'm, uh, I'm also working, of course, on the sequel to Out of Position, which I've mentioned a couple times. Um, people may be somewhat surprised to know that although there is, uh... There is sheath in it. I'm sort of 30,000 words in before I got to an actual sex scene, uh, which is quite different from the first book, in which there seemed to be, you couldn't go two pages without tripping over a sex scene. So That's like reading six Yif Star stories without running into a sex scene. I know. And nobody likes the no Yif stories, do they? I don't even know why that's a category. I mean, it's Yif Star. Exactly. Wouldn't the no Yif stories be like, it's on another site. Um, but uh, but never fear. I've, I have a feeling a lot of those 30,000 words will get cut out because a lot of it just kind of rambles and I need to tighten it up and add tension and blah, 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 blah. So Hurry up and fuck. Hurry up and, yeah, hurry up and get it on. Um, but that's going along real well. I'm, I'm real pleased with how that's running. Um, I'm working on a story for a project that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. Um, and also, but I'm, I'm very happy with that one. Uh, I've just had sort of a bunch of little epiphanies about it this weekend where it all kind of came together. And I thought I had the story arc for it kind of in my head with the character and all. Mm -hmm. And I thought I need an appropriate metaphor for this character's state of mind. And it suddenly sort of came to came into being almost organically, which was nice, so to speak. Um, like a virus. Yes. 
And the other one I'm writing is just a story that I had an idea for um, based on a letter that a fan sent me. Well, I'm not sure I can actually call him a fan. He was expressing his concern over a particular problem in the fandom and uh, that he experienced in the fandom. And that's all I'll say about that one because yeah, it just made me want to write a story about it. Don't 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 give your fans the inkling that if they send you emails, they can inspire you to write stories, or you will get a barrage. I already get a barrage, and this is the first one so far that's inspired me to write. So don't, uh, yeah, don't send me emails whining about your problems and expect that there will be a story out of it. I'll listen. I'll that's respond. Right. But, send, send send your emails with your whiny problems to not guest. Yeah. <laughs> they like it. That's what they do. Um No no, I do I do respond to emails, Kyle at Kylegold.com. If you can't find my website in the contact page. Um But uh yeah, this was just something interesting that I hadn't I hadn't thought about and it made me kind of curious as to how certain situations would play out and you know. That's that's where that came from. And what else am I working on? I'll look at what else is... There's still more? Oh, my God. Well, I have six documents open right now. Ah. Um, How do you do that? Oh, the other one is Shadow of the Father, which is just... Oh, like, yeah, that. I'm just... Yeah, <laughs> just that other novel that I wrote, which I'm just doing final edits on. Uh, everybody seems to think it's pretty close. and um, So this month it'll be laid out and off to the publisher. Sarah's doing some illustrations for it, which I am... Very much looking forward to seeing. Uh, and that's where we are with our projects, I think. Do we have anything else going on? No, not really. But uh, I just think it's worth pointing out that, uh, once again, I have the trap of, I'm going to write myself a short, fun, sexy story. And it either becomes a long, drawn-out, not-so-sexy story, or it just sort of fails and fizzles and doesn't become a story at all. You just... You just need a quickie to get back in the game. Oh, that's true on so many levels. <laughs> you have um, no idea. Well, you have some idea now. Yes. Um, one more thing where uh, I'm actually thinking that I might be able to show up at MFF. That's Midwest Fur Fest in November. And we would love to do a live episode of the podcast there. So... Um, That'd be great. Gonna... I had a great time doing the one at Rainforest. Oh yeah, we had we had a ton of fun. Um, so we're going to be in in uh, contact with the con staff. We have uh, we've kind of approached them about doing panels, but not the podcast specifically. And um, they're probably kind of busy and haven't written back. So if any of y'all out there listening know someone on con staff, um, nag them on our behalf. Nag them on our behalf, and we'll drop them another letter. And you know, if we don't get their permission to do it, we've got a pretty portable setup maybe we'll just sit out in the lobby and do a gorilla podcast it'll be like wheeling pirate radio yeah we'll take over one of the little panel rooms and yeah and we'll tell you on twitter where to go and secret sheathy podcast in the you know delaware room or whatever we'll do it outside and everybody will be freezing to death uh there's no being unsheathed in the evening air in Wheeling, Illinois. No, there's not. <sighs> uh, well, I don't know. I think that's about all I have. Anything else you want to do before we dive into questions? I think we are updated. I think we can move on to the... All right. 
everyone's up to date. Yep. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? Uh, I can take mine. Go for it. So I have an email here from Mythic Fox. He writes, Is it ever appropriate to take a story down off of your webpage or wherever in order to rewrite part of it and repost it? If so, when? And is the decision affected by the number of people who have read the original version? Oh. <laughs> I've been working on a story series for a while, but a major hiatus between chapters has resulted from some time problems and some issues regarding part of the plot and subject matter. I'm planning on picking it back up as soon as I have time. However, upcoming chapters are going to see a shift in the story's tone and mood for several reasons, including the aforementioned issues and the fact that I realized too late that the tone of the early chapters can't comfortably sustain the entire story. I've seriously considered going back and tweaking the early chapters to make the transition smoother thematically, but I'm really torn on the issue. Any advice you two can offer would be greatly appreciated. Your humble fan, Mythic Fox. I think you're far better suited to answer this question than I am. Yes, so this is actually kind of a pointed question for me. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but... Uh... This is something I've actually done, where I wrote a big, long, sequential story series that I got partway through, left it on hiatus, and then took it down for uh, a number of reasons, uh, personal, professional, and also quality, to be honest. Where it was very similar, where he says here that... Which he, I still argue with you, because I still like many of those stories, but... I Well, I won't uh, get into an argument about whether the stories themselves have merit, but... Um, just sort of matching what he says here about he realized afterwards that the tone and the theme had changed and it's sort of the thing where if I had known earlier on what I knew then, you know, would I have done it differently? And in the answer in this question, I mean, in this case, my answer was yes. I mean, this is not what I want the story to be. You know, like it's not that what I wrote before was bad, but it's not where the story on the whole is going. And so, you know, ergo... Yes, people have read this, but it's sort of like a, it's not quite a catch-22 because, okay, people have read it, people have enjoyed it, but you're still the writer. You still have the chance to make it better. And yeah, you're going to, I'll tell you from personal experience, you're going to get flack for doing this sort of thing where I, you know, I took it down and said, hey, well, actually, I didn't say anything. I sort of did it. Uh, it was just gone one day. I did it surreptitiously and people came to me and they said, you know, hey, we noticed that this is gone, and I said, you know, my fans, I have done this for your own good, and they came back with, no, give us Barabbas, and, you know, the back and forth there. Um, it's got to go over everyone's head, isn't it? It went right over mine, I'll tell you that. You can Wikipedia afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Well, I'm, I'll just toss it in here while you're recovering yeah. from laughing at your own joke that... Uh, I'm laughing it's at your one, reaction to it. It's one of the um, it's one of the perils, and we've we've both done this where you start writing a story series and you're putting it up one piece at a time. Um, I've done it twice now, and you may get to the end of it and think, "Wow, I I really wanted to do something different with that." Mm -hmm. um, in my case, both of mine were sort of little experimental side projects anyway. Um, the first one was Helfer's Busy Day, which I just wanted to see what would happen if I let other people direct the story, and it turned out not so bad. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, and the other one is Yolan's Journal, which is still not done. It's about halfway through, um, which is more an exercise 
uh, for myself to see if I could fill in kind of two years of backstory leading up to the novel. And as it turned out, I had to make up a whole bunch of plot and stuff beyond what I had originally intended to put in there. Oh, God, there's story here and I have to write it. I know, I know. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, this is um, this is kind of weird. I had... I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. That has nothing to do with the question. But I had a dream the other night that was one of those weird dreams where in the dream I was in some kind of world where rules didn't make sense, even within the context of the dream. That's so meta. I, I know. And within the dream, I woke up from the dream. It was one of those things where I was like trapped in a dream and people were trying to get me to break out of it. And then as soon as I broke out of it, I kind of had a flash where I saw what was the real world within the dream, and then I woke up for real. But I just had this thought that, wow, you know, what if my subconscious is trying to tell me that this world that I'm in now is just a dream and is trying to get me to wake up from it? And I thought, well, that would kind of suck because I don't want to have to write all my novels over again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already know how they go. I don't want to... I don't want to have to spend all those years typing them out again. It's a lot of work. See, I mean, so the worst I've had is I'll I just, stay asleep for the moment. You know, I just wake up and think, oh, man, now I don't actually have a bike that'll take me to the moon. <laughs> I don't actually have a orange and white tail to wag. I was actually having a conversation with somebody earlier today about uh, dreams and how disappointed I am that I don't have furry dreams. I wish I did. It'd be kind of awesome. I've had a couple furry dreams, but they're never as good or as interesting as you kind of want them to be. Yeah, because I was talking about how I don't have furry dreams, and I don't have sexual dreams, which surprised everyone I told that to. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't really so much either. I can um, probably count like on one paw the number of sex dreams I can distinctly remember having in my life, and at least half of those, while they were sexual dreams, they certainly weren't sexy. Yeah. One of them involved having awkward sex with my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> which just, uh, no. Who was your ex-boyfriend at the time? At the time, he he, he was my ex at the time, yes. Okay, all right. If I was having awkward sex about my at-the-time boyfriend, that would be very telling. Yes, but, and he'd soon to be your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I get these weird kind of recursive dreams the the other dream that i had where i was waking up from a dream within the dream was also kind of this recursive time loop thing where i was trapped in this world where sequential time wasn't really working right and i kept seeing other people um so you dreamt you were in a tarantino film yeah no it wasn't the dialogue wasn't that clever ah uh, um but anyway so yeah back to the question back here. to the question and sort of uh, we just yeah, we just kind of went off we, on We, we have arrived in Podcast Central for having <laughs> tangented like that. Ten minutes of rambling. Oh, it wasn't that long. But actually, I think one of the telling things about what he's saying here about his story series is he says, I, you know, I'm, I'm writing stories, and then he starts to refer to them as chapters. Right. Which, if you think of it as if you're writing a large piece, which is broken into chapters, if it's something that's going to be released as a whole, like a novel... You're going to write all your chapters out, and then you're going to go back, and you're going to revise the whole thing, and the earliest chapters are probably going to get the heavier revisions. That's always the case with mine. Yeah, and so I mean, from a logical standpoint, if you haven't finished writing it yet, 
you're not going to know what's going to need changing or not. So if you're posting things as you go, and then you realize, okay, this story has a different direction than I wanted, or you know, it's supporting a different tone than I originally wanted, then I absolutely think it's legitimate to revise things, take them down, bring them back, put them back up when you're ready. And people, he asked, you know, does this matter how many people have read it? I don't think it does. The people who read it will have read it and they can remember that fondly or not. And then, you know, when you put it back up, you can just be like, hey, you know what? I think this is better now. And as long as you don't make Greedo shoot first, you should be fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't have as much experience with this, but I'll agree with that. That, uh, you know, basically it's your story. Yeah. Do what you want with it. And if you need to pull it down to make it part of a bigger work that's going to more reflect your vision, yeah. do it. Um, you're... You always want to keep your fans happy. Mm -hmm. If you had several hundred people who'd read the story and, and loved it the way it was, then you might consider just leaving it up but saying, all right, I'm going to, you know, this is kind of an old version of the story and I'm working on a novel. I'm leaving this up, but I'm going to forget this exists. I'm leaving it up for y'all, but I'm going to take it and put it back in a, you know, into this other form that I'm creating. Um, because, you know, honestly, you could have stuff online and, and just not even care that it's there. And just put a note on the story that says, this is old, I'm working on a revision, you know, read it, enjoy it if you like, but it's turning into something better. Yeah. I mean, my oldest stories are all one-offs anyway, and while I don't think they're up to my current standards, they're not so embarrassing that I want to take them down. But at the same time, I know I'm not going to go back and rewrite them because okay, you know, I wrote the story. It's done. That's what it is. And, right. But in this and case, if you have a larger work, that's and, a different story. And that's one of the things that you have to deal with as a writer is just say, you know, there's always a temptation to go back and fix the stories. And at some point you just have to yeah. say it's done. It's out there. It's, it's finished. Yeah. And it's better to be able to say my older stuff isn't as good than it is to say, my newer stuff isn't as good. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Um. All right, so we're going to try to tackle one more question, although this one we could probably do a whole episode on, and maybe we should sometime in the future. But um, this one comes to us from Atari Otter, who is uh, quite friendly. We had a great time hanging out with him at Rain First. Yeah, he's a he's a cool guy, and he's, he's a very good writer. He is. He won the short story competition at Rainforest, and he did. his story will be in the con book next year. Yeah, and he, uh, I saw him at a lot of the writing panels over the weekend. Yep. He very, was very um, dedicated, very devoted. He is. He's very dedicated. Probably one of the more dedicated writers in the fandom I've run across. So he writes... I raise my glass to you. Cheers. Fellow writer Otter. Uh, he writes... Hello again, K.M. Hirosaki and Kyle Gold. Hello. I had another question that came to mind as I was dabbling in some unfamiliar territory and was hoping you might have some advice on it. I've been putting the guidelines down and getting some ideas written out for a world that I'm making up on my own. What advice do either of you two have on the subject of creating your own worlds and making them work? Kill the uh, feline. <laughs> Sorry. Always kill the cat. Yes. <laughs> um... You know, all most of my worlds have been built kind of organically. Yeah. Um, I started with a sort of a, a feel. <clears throat> yeah. 
when I wrote Prisoner's Release, it was a it was more of a medieval world. It kind of shifted towards a Renaissance world because that's more interesting to write about uh, for the stories I that I was doing. Um, and so I just had in mind, this is the tone of the world. This is you know what I want. So when I say Renaissance era, I'm saying largely agrarian, feudal society with nobility because I wanted the structure of the lords, feudal lords holding land, uh, the palace, the kings and succession and relation between church politics, and state, yeah. churches, church and state. Um, and then going along with that is, you know, you, you sort of discover the level of technology. You can yeah. adjust it a little bit. I have printed books in mind because it was fun to do that. Um, and some kind of minor industri- industrialization, but not really to any great extent. Um, which, you know, is fine for a late Renaissance era story, which yours seem to be. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Forrester universe is basically our contemporary world with a few names changed here and there. And a few concessions made to the, to the different species in the world. Like what would our world be like if it had to accommodate foxes and pronghorns and ermine and porcupines and possums and whatnot. It'd be a sexier world, that's what. Well, yeah. But um, but I didn't... I never really sat down to write out the rules of the world. Um, I know some of the people that I talk to get really into the world building where they, they want to write down, you know, here's the major cities, I'm going to draw out these extended maps and, you know, one of the things that I would, I'd love to do with Shadow of the Father, and I don't think I'm going to be able to, is get a map of Argea and print it in it. Um, I have it. I have kind of sketchy relationships of where all the places are, but I just, I want to, I want to get it in kind of like a Tolkien-like map, and I haven't been able to get that done. So, um, but I, I never went and sat down and wrote out the rules of the world and all that stuff. Um, I just. I just kind of started the the main thing is to keep a consistent feel. Yeah, um that's was going to be my thing. I think the most important thing when it comes to world building is logical consistency. You can do what you want to serve the needs of the story or stories so long as you know you keep to the your own rules that you set out. Uh like you were saying, I tend to do very little setting planning in advance. I sort of let it happen. I would actually caution against too much advanced planning or if you do advanced planning for yourself, I caution against putting too much of it into the story before it's ready because you risk possibly limiting yourself later if something needs to change. That's a good point. But at the same time, I know people that works for and there's certainly, especially in fantasy and science fiction, there's certainly uh, a lot more slack given to authors to create worlds. That's true. But again, I still think, you know, they do still have organic development of their own. Right. And, you know, things change, the, especially with um, a lot of the more well-known sort of mainstream science fiction things that where it's a, you know, a shared universe by virtue of you have people writing different books in a series or, you know, it's a TV show with different writers. And so, you know, the universe and the canon of that universe is continually growing. Now you're thinking about Star Trek. Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, anything like that. Um, 
there in there are plenty not so I, I can't think of any that are currently ongoing or that are hugely well known but uh you know written work you know series with sort of setting like that I'm thinking more sort of yeah. classic 20th century sci-fi kind of things yeah so so yeah I think the main thing is to just um like you say be logically consistent um there's really a finite number of um types of worlds yeah there's kind of the contemporary there's sort of a the um what Brer calls the high fantasy world with mm-hmm. princesses and elves and magic and sword and sorcery um there's kind of a low fantasy yeah. where it's um sort of more gritty dungeons and dragons kind of world um there's the historical various stages of historical world but i think probably the medieval slash renaissance is one of the more common of those um then you've got like you know the alternate history stuff particularly steampunk right. is a big steampunk, example of that yeah yeah and my and and my new world rust punk which i'm you know, once I get through with this crop of stories, maybe I'll write a Rust Punk story. We'll be the first. Steampunk is great because it allows for a preponderance of goggles and cross-dressing. Yes. And we know how much foxes love goggles. And cross-dressing. And cross-dressing, yes. We've both uh, got some experience with that. Uh, but, um, yeah, so just keep it... <laughs> such a strange statement and which i didn't I'm realize not until quite like, sure what it means yeah you know? i was like wait <laughs> statement only applies to our fictional worlds um yes fictional but uh <laughs> um but anyway yeah I, I mean just you know keep them keep them simple like you said don't don't over plan because yeah. then people you know you'll get caught up in details um Real brief recommendation. I use a program called WikiDPad, WikiDPad, W-I-K-I-D-P-A-D, which allows you to have kind of a private wiki on your computer. And those are great for storing all the information about your world. Whenever you add a new detail, just throw it in there, and then it's always accessible to you whenever you want to go back and check. Yeah, and I'm sure I've mentioned this probably more than once on the podcast before, but don't front load your story with over explaining the setting to the reader. Right. Cause that's, that's just boring. Right. It might be interesting as sort of like a, you know, encyclopedic base of knowledge and whatnot. But when you're in the story itself, tell the story, don't jump up and down screaming, look at this cool world I made. Yep. Exactly. I'm looking at you, Frank Herbert. Um, is that, is it cool to, Diss a dead guy on a furry erotic writing podcast? Probably not. I think it is cool. Okay. For what it's worth, as much as the Take... original Dune series had its flaws, the ones that were taken over after his passing were far worse. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, so since we don't, gonna... ha- since we haven't had a blowjob reference in this episode yet. I can just say that Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert can blow me. There we go. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Under the wire. Well, I was I was going to say in reference to our bumpers that we've already had our cake. That's true, and so I apparently am owed a, either two blowjobs or one simultaneous blowjob. I don't know. Which would be quite the trick. They can sort that out. Yeah. We'll give them a call. Harmonica style. That's hot. <laughs>
Right, it broke Kyle. Oh, jeez. I wish y'all could see Kyle's face right now. Um, as red as a fox. Um, Funny how that works. But, uh, but yeah, so send in your letters. Send in your questions about horror. Horror writing. Um, a la... The Rural The Rural... <laughs> <laughs> the Rural Horror Jorer. <laughs> The urban fur. <laughs> All right. Before we keep laughing at 30 Rock, we'll uh, uh, send in your questions. The email address is unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. On Furfinity, we are unsheathed. You can send private messages there, too, and we post about the episodes coming up. Um, I believe we owe you guys a link from last week. And... Um, so send us your questions about horror writing. Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, Stephen King, yep. Dean Koontz, um, any of that ilk. And um, we will uh, be back at you in another week with Lucky Episode 13. That's all I got. Yeah, um, I was trying to think of something clever to say, and it's all, yeah, it's funny, all gone. Funny, funny how the scotch doesn't help with that. I will let you know that Scotch helped a great deal. Well, it depends with what. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, now we've made Kit angry. I'll, I'll leave. You, I'll leave you with the image of a tongue-tied otter. Um, and uh, with that, I am Kyle Gold. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I'm Cam Karasaki. Good night. <laughs>